singing. Uh, we're going to talk about singing this morning. Just to get us going, why don't you turn to whoever you're next to here in the room or if you're at home. Uh, real quick, without thinking, first thing that comes to your head, what's your favorite song? Go. Tell each other. Favorite song. Go. Favorite song ever. Everybody shared one? I see some of you saying, what do you mean? Like, which genre? Okay, on the count of three, at home and here uh, in our room, everybody say your favorite song on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Happy oh, I love those ones. Those are great. Those are good. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, today we cover the first recorded song in scripture. Uh, and, and singing is this incredible gift from God. Uh, it's kind of funny singing. Has anybody ever thought of singing? Like, like we talk like this and we'll modulate our, our tone and our volume and stuff like that. But when we sing, we just blow air over our vocal cords for a long time and we try to match the pitch of the person next to us. Some more successfully than others. Have you, have you noticed this? Like Darnisha and the team that are up here holding the microphones, they're up here for a reason. They can do that pretty well. The rest of us, how's it going, right? Make a joyful noise, right? Like we're not going to show up on the last episode of American Idol, we're going to be more at the beginning. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? But singing is this incredible gift. Music is this incredible gift. It is woven into our lives, and so no wonder it appears in our books. Um, another question for us as we get going. Uh, what are the things that make you want to sing? Like, when, when are you most likely to sing? Turn to someone next to you and tell, to, you know, uh, maybe not a locale, like in the shower or something like that, but like, you know, what are the things that prompt song in your life? Turn to someone, uh, tell them what that is. What would make you want to sing? Uh, this is pretty good participation this morning. Thank you. It's very nice. It's encouraging. All right. Did anybody answer with Depends. Like, uh, and here's what I mean. Sometimes it just depends on my mood, uh, uh, you know, whether I want to sing or not. But here's what I've noticed. No matter my mood, there's always songs that are tied into it. So like, if you're sad, there's sad songs. Like uh, Eleanor and I dated for uh, on and off for the three years that we were in college together before we finally got married. And uh, uh, we broke up twice during those three years of dating. The first time I broke up, I was the jerk. Uh, and then uh, the second time she broke up and guess what? I was still the jerk. I was, I was, it was still me. Uh, but that second time, man, uh, you know, I had fought, you know, I think in my heart, my young 20 year old heart, I had figured out this is her, this is the one and she's not with you anymore. And it was, listen, I've been alive 51 years. It's probably the, the deepest trough I've ever been through. I was just devastated. And so I, I got really, uh, you know, emo and very down and I started listening to the cure a lot. And, uh, <laughs> I actually put together, uh, 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 this is an old thing. There's certain age groups that are going to understand this, but I put together a mixtape. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, before you could say, hey, Siri, play, you had to actually take your own CDs and, and create on a cassette uh, a collection of songs. And uh, so that's what I did. I, I got all the saddest songs I had in my CD collection, and I put them in one place, and I just played it on a loop all the time. <laughs> And uh, in this particular era that I was in, there was a, a bald-headed Irish woman named Sinead O'Connor who sang, <laughs> nothing compares to you, right? And I would just weep through that whole song every time I heard it because nothing compared to my bride. Anyway, uh, sad songs, say so much. I think El Elton said that, but uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're there when we're sad and music, uh, you know, supports or 
um, draws out of us those sad feelings. But music also has this uh, ability to hype us up. Like when you're angry, there's angry music out there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, we, we used to, uh, when I played sports, just uh, at, at 15 minutes before we knew we were going to be pulling into the opposing team's uh, parking lot to play basketball against their squad, uh, we would uh, take the boom box. This is another old thing, but this huge, you know, semi-portable stereo that lived at the back of the bus, and we, we would put in another one of those mixtapes, and we would just hit play and... Right? We will rock you comes on, right? And, we, and that was kind of the first thing. And then, it's a certain area uh, sermon this morning, but uh, um, a little bit later in my athletic career, uh, you know, hip hop became more the, the thing. And so, you know, House of Pains jump around, you know, we just be in the, <laughs> going crazy. But, but music can hype you up, it can make you angry. I, I have a set of uh, songs on my iPod that I play when I run, and it's not happy music. I'd be embarrassed for you to hear it. It's, but it's, it's like, it's what I need to be able to, ah, I got to get to the stop sign. You know, I got to keep going. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what my favorite songs are? Not the sad ones. They have their place. Not the, the hype ones, the angry ones. They have their place. My favorite songs are the happy songs. And there's a lot of them. In fact, we, like we, <laughs> we put music to the happy moments of our lives. Happy birthday to you. There is no reason to sing to someone on their birthday. Just someone started doing it. Why? It's a great day. He made it another year. Let's sing to him. Right? Christmas songs. Some of you, I think it was on our, our social feed this week. Some of you are already playing that stuff. Some of you never stop playing that stuff. Why? It's pretty happy music. The carols, you know, the stuff we sing in, about the arrival of Christ. Pretty up. <laughs> you know, pretty uh, anticipatory. And even the other stuff, the secular stuff about reindeer coming to life and flying through the sky with a big fat guy in a red suit strapped to him, and, and then you got a snowman, you know, who somehow becomes real. I mean, it's crazy, but it's happy, right? We love that kind of stuff. We love the, um, uh, you know, you go to an English uh, Premier League soccer game, uh, and they sing the whole time. They never stop. Like it's just song after song after song. They sing about players, their team, their history. It's just, it's choir practice with a soccer game mixed in. Hmm. Moses, he sings for that reason. He's happy. He's standing on the shores of a Red Sea that he and his people have miraculously crossed. He's looking out over the calm waves, but they weren't calm moments before. They had been split and the armies of Egypt have tried to cross a, the same path to come and get them and take them back into slavery. But God had released the waters that he had separated for them. And forevermore, Israel was free from the oppression of their Egyptian owners. I mean, that's some cause for celebration. And so for the first time in our scriptures... Someone sings. It's not the only time. You go forward in your Old Testaments and there's a whole book of songs. It's called the Psalms. David apparently had one of those, you know, three ring binders that he carried around with him. And every time he felt, you know, led, he would just start writing some prose down, took his heart out, harp out and, and uh, you know, put music to it. Yeah. 
It continues to be our songbook. So many of the songs that we sing come right out of that book of Psalms. Uh, it's interesting to note there are sad psalms, laments they're called, now where he's just broken. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. There are angry psalms. Read those? Uh, Lord, where are you? You anointed me king, but I'm hiding in a cave. What's going on? But almost all of the psalms, whether they're sad at the beginning or mad at the beginning, they end with glad as they're, fi- they're finished. Uh, um, the lament psalms start with the sadness or the anger, but they turn eventually, they pivot in the midst of them back to, yeah, yeah all this is true, but you're still God. All this is true, but you're sovereign, you're in control, you're my tower, my, my shield, my mighty fortress, and I'll trust in you. Love me some Psalms. We'll study it someday on a deeper level. But then you move forward into the New Testament, more songs pop up, especially around Christmas, right? Luke's one, Luke chapter one and two, uh, Mary finds out that she's gonna be the mother of God's son. She writes a song. Jesus shows up on that night in Bethlehem, and the angels come to a bunch of shepherds who are watching their flocks by night. You know the story. You've seen Charlie Brown's special, right? And the sky is filled with this heavenly host, and the choir of angels sings, glory to God in the highest, right? Now, you know my favorite song in the, in the Bible? It's at the end, Revelation chapter 5. It's this picture of the throne room of Jesus in eternity where every uh, tribe, tongue, every uh, language, every people group will be represented one day uh, when we all get there. And you know what the Bible tells us? We're going to hang out for eternity singing songs. Now, I've actually had conversations with people who are like, oh, man, we're going to be singing forever. I don't even like singing in church. I see you, by the way, when I'm... Uh, heaven doesn't sound fun at all. Okay, listen to me. Look at me. Lean in. Everybody at home, listen to me. When you have the unfiltered, unfettered, unmitigated presence of God, when, when you get to see Jesus face to face, your brain's going to melt to the point where you're not going to be able to do anything else except sing his praises. Don't worry. He'll be awe-inspiring enough that you'll want to sing. But here in this song, Moses sings of the deliverance of his God. Now I'm just going to kind of give you the sermon up front so I can just preach it to you. Three things. He's going to celebrate God's deliverance here at the Red Sea and through the whole story of Israel being freed from slavery. He's going to, uh, in light of that deliverance, make a declaration of his allegiance to this God who is his deliverer, which is the only fitting thing you could do. When you reflect on God's deliverance, the only right thing that you can do is say, I'm with him. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with him because of who he is and because of what he's done. And then we're going to fast forward a few verses into the latter part of the song, and we're going to see Moses sing a few verses about a future deliverance going to talk about how God is going to, in the future with Israel, deliver them to the promised land. It's really cool. But those are the three things that as, as we walk through this text, we're going to see. And those are the three things that as we walk from this room or you 
turn off the stream uh, that I hope you leave this week with. First of all, uh, a heart overflowing with joy at what you have received from the God who has delivered you over and over and over again in life. I pray you leave with that. I pray that as a result of that joy, you will renew your minds, renew your commitment to honor him and follow him with your life. I, I pray that you will, in, in your hopes for the future, understand that God has got you and that he cannot and will not fail. Let's walk through these verses together and talk first about celebrating the deliverance of God. Verse one of chapter 15 says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Before I was a senior pastor, I was a youth pastor. And when I became a youth pastor, it was right after I'd gotten my first guitar. And so uh, it was fun for me to sing songs with the students that I was able to lead. And we actually sang this song. I'll be honest with you. I'd never made the connection that this was the first song in the Bible. I wish I'd known that. I would have made a bigger fuss about it when we sang it with the kids. Is that on? It went something like this. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. Curse, splash, blub, blub, blub. That's, their, that's the part they really like. Everybody get that? It's the, it's the, and then they can't, okay. See if you can sing that with me, ready? Here we go. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. Curse, splash, blub, blub, blub. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. Curse, splash. There's more, but that's all I'm going to do. Okay. Oh, you're nice. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> now, I don't know if that's this tune that Moses sang this to. Sounds a little twangy for the Jewish culture, but, uh, but he, he sang it. In fact, I was studying it this week, and, and this and a lot of other songs in the scriptures are what they call antiphonal songs. What that, that's the big word means that it's a callback. So, so most scholars think that Moses probably sang the first line, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. And then the Israelites, uh, who had been taught this song apparently ahead of time, said, yeah, the horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. Curse, splash, blah, 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 blah. And they go back and forth like that. It's a, it's a callback. We do that here sometimes. And it's a very biblical Hebrew way of singing songs. Uh, the leader would sing a, a line and, and the crowd would respond in turn. Uh, but regardless of the form, the tune, uh, focus on the words and focus on the reason that Moses and the children of Israel are singing these words. They can't help but sing. Because they're amazed by what God has done. We get that, right? We have this uh, cultural you know, thing where we clap. We see something great, right? Anybody ever been in that thing where people are so amazed uh, by whatever's happened on the stage or in the scene that just one person starts, right? And then all of a sudden other people are like, wow. And then all of a sudden it just gets louder and louder and louder. And people are standing up and they're screaming and yelling and there's this rejoicing. That's what an applause is. It's a, it's a rejoicing, an adulation that has uh, been prompted in us by an action. Uh, Moses and the children are standing on that shore, 
amazed at where they are. I mean, think about, come on, people, think about it. You've walked across a body of water on dry land that God separated so you could do it. Try not to sing after that. Yeah, babe, that's right. (laughs) So here's my question. Certainly, we understand Moses and the children of Israel celebrating this moment. But when was the last time where you and I stood on the shore of our lives and we just sang our praises to our God for the ways that he's delivered us? I grew up in a church that sang lots of hymns. One of my favorites was, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Anybody know that one? Yeah? Yeah, thank you. We're done. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. Pretty simple. It just kept saying those two lines. Count your blessings. Name the one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. When was the last time you and I stopped to count our blessings? To name them. Guess what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to give you a chance to turn to someone next to you and start naming your blessings. Go ahead. What are the blessings that God has given you? Okay, if you're talking, you should just keep talking forever because you'll never be able to count those. Is everybody with me? Like I'm always, I, you know, well, probably, you know, my car. That's it. But no, that's not it. Everything you have is a blessing from God. Everything you are is a blessing from God. I, I mean, we just, we'd, we'd never finish. It's, I mean, you could, I guess you could throw the big, all of it blanket on top of everything. Uh, but our blessings are uncountable. There's little ones. Like if I was singing a blessing song about yesterday, it'd start like this. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't hit the truck that came out of Wawa in front of me. I didn't see him. He apparently wasn't looking, and we somehow missed each other. Praise to thee. Right? Oh, thank you. Yes. I made that up just now. I don't know if you could tell. But there's all kinds of little things like that. Near misses, sunsets. My wife, uh, Eleanor, loves a sunset looking out our back window. And I'm not as big into them, but she'll just, she'll just say, oh, Mark, look. I'll be in the kitchen at the other window. She'll just, look, honey, look. It's glowing. The world is glowing. It's pink and the trees are reflecting off the lake and it's glowing. And I'm like, yeah, great, chicken salad. You know? and, and, <laughs> but when you pause and you stop... And you see, has anybody ever been in that situation where you just, you, you, you were climbing that mountain and you came out of the woods to the clearing and you can see on a clear day everything, everywhere, and you're just so small and so in awe of a God who is so big, just stirs your heart to sing. It's the little things. There's the obvious things, right? Maybe you were listing them as you were counting your blessings. Thank you for life. I woke up this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you for my wife or my husband. Thank you for my kids. Maybe not, depending on how the morning's gone. (laughs) Thank you for my job, even though it's a pain. We love putting the qualifiers into it, don't we? Thank you for my job, even though everybody there's a jerk. No, thank you for my job, period. Tons of people in our world don't have one right now. And that's the thing we gotta stop doing as Christians. No qualifiers, just gratitude. 
Thank you. Period. Some of you are experience, experiencing God's grace in amazing, specific ways. Thanks, God, uh, for healing this person that I've been praying for, their cancer. Thanks, God, of delivering this relationship that was in trouble back to, you know, whole and restoring that marriage. Thanks, God. For coming in to our lives financially in ways we could never have dreamed. We, we, we'd be out of our house, unable to pay our bills if you hadn't provided in these ways. Thanks, God. Yeah, the blessings are many. And my hope for us is this, <clears throat> that you and I, as we count our blessings, as we stand on the shore of our lives, we'd wake up every day um, grateful. You, you got a choice how you live, right? You can wake up every day seeing the glass is half empty or not anything in it at all. Lots of people choose that. Lots of people look at their lives and they're like, if only this, if, if I could only have, if, if there was only more. It's an option, not a happy one, but an option. And I'm not saying that you don't strive and seek and become better and become, I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying that whatever you have, be grateful. Live amazed by the grace that you've given. Stand on the shore like Moses did with Israel and sing, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He's my deliverer. Now this deliverance, like I said earlier, prompts this um, declaration from Moses and the children. That's what we're going to talk about next. We need to declare our allegiance in light of his deliverance because God's grace should spark in us this renewed determination to walk with him. Look what it says, verse 2. It says, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation, my deliverance. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And we kind of read that, and we're like, yeah, that's how you should be towards God. But don't miss the context of what's happening here with these people. For 400 years, uh, they have lived in captivity. Uh, sure, at the beginning of Exodus, they've cried out to their God, the gods of their fathers, but they, they weren't in this active worship of him. In fact, we can probably assume that most of the nation of Israel had adopted the Egyptian deities as their gods, uh, which is why when God sent the plagues, if you were here for that study earlier in January, uh, when God sent the plagues, every one of the plagues aligned with one of the Egyptian deities and showed them to be false. But here they are, 400 years removed from, from, you know, the practice of their faith that their fathers had. Um, and now they've just seen everything transpire. Moses, a wanderer, him, a wanderer himself, he was 40 years in the woods watching sheep until a bush caught on fire and God spoke to him. And from there, he, he went on his own journey, doubting and following, doubting and following. And now he and these people who have not followed the one true God, Yahweh, are singing this refrain in verse two, if you can put it up there one more time for me. They're saying, the Lord, Yahweh, is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation, my redeemer. This is my God. Not the other ones. God is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. <laughs> we get that. 
When we've experienced uh, something great uh, in the worlds that we live in, we become loyal to whatever that was that gave us that experience, whether it's a pizza baker or a mechanic or a church. Now, we go where we know uh, things are good. And so it is with the children of Israel. They've seen with their own eyes, experienced with their own lives, the goodness of God again and again. And they're like, that's it. We're with him. Now, they're not going to do this perfectly. Keep reading Exodus. In fact, if we were able to get through this entire chapter, you'd see it only takes three days. And they uh, are running out of water. Uh, and they come to this place where there actually is water, but it's not fit to drink. And they start just giving Moses the gears. I mean, they just start going. I mean, three days is all it took for them to go from, he is my strength and my song, and I will follow him, to why'd you bring us out here in the desert? Right? It happens. Happens to all of us. That's why it's so important when it says in Romans that we should renew our minds. Our, our old man's sinful default is to go away from God and to worship ourselves and anything but him. But we need to renew our minds, to renew our strength, to renew our commitments to him and head back towards him with every day that we wake up. Why? Because he's delivered us. He has delivered us. He is delivering us. And he will deliver us. Hmm. A couple of things that Moses says here about uh, God, uh, that we need to just tease out a little bit more. He says, uh, the Lord is my strength and my song. When he says that the Lord is his strength, what Moses and the children of Israel are saying is that, God, I'm going to trust you first, foremost, and overall for what I cannot do for myself. The things that are beyond my reach, you're going to have to reach them for me. The things that I can't carry, you're going to have to carry them for me. Husbands get that. Anybody got a short wife? I got one. There are certain things in our kitchen that cannot be reached. There's actually this one thing that we put our cakes and cookies on. I don't know what it's called, but it's got the glass topper on. It's kind of whatever it's called. And it's on the top shelf. Of, I don't know why we keep it there, babe, but it's on the top shelf. Uh, and so anytime, you know, uh, we, we bake something or something like that, that's got to come down. And so I'll be sitting there, you know, in the, in the living room watching the game. And Eleanor will say, Mark, I need your height. And I'll walk in there and I'll, that's, and I'm happy to do that for my wife. You guys should be happy to do it for your wife too. But I do that because she can't reach it. Yesterday we were loading up a, a truck. A friend loaned us their truck so that we could uh, take some things to the Salvation Army and just get rid of some of the furniture that was in our garage after kids had come back from college. And, uh, and so um, just as we're doing that, we're starting to kind of get everything ready to load up the truck. My son Ben called. He was trying to switch phone plans, which I initiated. But uh, um, it's an act of Congress to switch your phone. Do you know that? It's an act of Congress. You need like a senator's... Uh, signature to switch your phone from your parents' plan to your new plan. Anyway, I spent like an hour and a half on hold. Eleanor will testify. Uh, and while that was happening, Eleanor, kind of, she got everything arranged to get on the truck, but she didn't put anything on the truck. I didn't begrudge her that at all. You know why? She's not built to pick up a desk. Uh, I am. And so she was, you know, good to say, Mark, this, 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 and this, and this. And then it was my job to throw that stuff on the back of the truck. When I got to the Salvation Army, guess what I did? I pretty much stayed in the truck. Hey, guys, there you go. I can get it up there, but if you want this thing carried around to certain places, that's not, you're going to need, you know, three or four mailbacks for that. I bring that up because here, here's the nature of our God. God is able. Does everybody get that? He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you can ask or think or do. 
And so it's foolish to go through life relying on your own strength or looking to someone else to provide for you where only God can. We need him as our strength, our go-to. And the things that we can't reach and the stuff that we can't carry, but in the everything of our lives, he's our source, our strength. Jesus said it this way, I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. Moses instills that in this declaration of his to stick with this God who's delivered him. He also says that you're my song. Now, obviously, he's talking about the song he's singing. I'm praising you, God. I'm giving you the glory you deserve because you're my deliverer. But I was thinking about that this week. Uh, We kind of live our lives to music. Has anybody got music on in the background when you're doing your work? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's the soundtrack of our lives, right? Music happens pretty much everywhere you go. If you go into a store or a restaurant, there's music playing. I was uh, looking at shirts the other day at a particular store and a song came on. I don't remember what it was. I knew it. And so I started apparently under my mask, loudly humming this song so loud that the person shopping across the aisle from me ended up just staring at me for that awkward amount of time. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, and I had this moment, I was like, oh, maybe I should stop humming. But then I was like, I got a mask on. Who cares? I'll keep humming. Anyway, so, but we just, we just have that. We have this, this soundtrack in our lives. And so it's not just us bringing our song of praise to God, but I think God wants to be the soundtrack of our life. He wants to be not in the background. He wants to be at the foreground, but he wants to be uh, the tune that we sing, the, 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 the rhythm that we, we move to. He wants to be this constant in our life. So Moses and the children of Israel sang, you are my strength. You are my song. They celebrate God because of his deliverance of them. They declare in light of that deliverance their allegiance to God. And then finally, uh, they look forward to his deliverance in the future. Now, I'm not going to read all the verses from chapter 15, verse 3, up through uh, verse uh, 12. Because you can read them yourselves. They're right there. And they just describe what happened in the chapter previous when uh, Israel uh, was able to cross the Red Sea and Egypt wasn't. So it's just a reprisal of the, of the telling of that story. But he gets to verse 13 and he does this really interesting thing in the song. They're still singing. You know, they're still singing this song. Someone's got the guitar out and they're just going. But when he gets to this stanza, um, the, 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 the subject matter switches. We're not talking about the Red Sea anymore. He, he goes forward in the future and he goes forward in the future and he talks about something that's going to take place in the future as if it has already occurred. Follow me. Here in verse 13, it says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. Who's that? Starts with I, sounds like Israelites. Who got Israelites? Did anybody get Israelites? Way to go, well done. He's talking about these people gathered at the shores of the Red Sea. He says, you have in your steadfast love, uh, uh, you know, led the people whom you have redeemed and you have guided them by your strength to where? To your holy abode. Abodes like a house or a place of dwelling um, uh, was the ultimate end of Israel's journey, that shore on the Red Sea. Someone say no. No, they're, they're heading Egypt or out of Egypt to go where? 
The promised land, their their forefather Abraham had had been promised by God this land that would be, I mean, it was very detailed, the the, the outlines of of where it would be delineated. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. I need you to move from where you're living now in modern-day Iraq over to what is now modern-day Israel, and and I'm going to give your people that land. Abraham and his descendants had, in some ways, already existed there, but they had never controlled the entirety of the land that God had allotted to them. And so this uh, rendition of the Israeli people are now leaving Egypt and they're heading to the promised land. And Moses is talking about it like it's already a done deal. You have led us to the holy abode. And then he starts calling shots. Look what it says in the next verses. Here's how it's going to go in our battles. He says, the peoples have heard. Everybody who's going to war against us in this land that is ours, um, they're going to hear about you, and they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Those are the Philistines. Anybody remember hearing about them fighting with the Israelites a little bit? He says, the chiefs of Edom, they're dismayed. Another nation that is within Canaan or within the promised land. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, another land. He gets tired of uh, another land. He gets tired of listing them all. So he says, all the inhabitants of Canaan, the region that is Israel, they have all melted away. Speaking in the past of something that will occur in the future. Terror and dread, he says, verse 16, fall upon them because of the greatness of our armies. So what it says? Got to pay attention now. What's it say? Does, does Moses say, because of the awesomeness of these gathered here and the strength that they have as warriors? Is that what he says? No, he says, in the future, we will walk into the promised land and we will... Uh, have you as our defender because of the greatness of your strong arm. They are all as stone. (laughs) They've all frozen up in fear till your people, O Lord, pass by until the people pass by whom you have purchased. He's talking about the triumphal entry into the promised land, the conquering of the peoples there. It's not going to happen until Joshua but he's talking about it like it already has. Isn't it great to be a follower of God in Christ? Because here's the deal, we got the same promises. Similar, at least, in scope. We may not inhabit an earthly land, but we have an eternal abode that is promised to us. Uh, We we certainly are on a journey like uh, Israel was. This is interesting. This is not a a blab it and grab it sermon. So, you know, people who've talked about the assured promises of God. Uh, Read the story of of Moses. Moses sings this song. I've I've seen in my my prophetic eye um, your conquering of the peoples in the promised land. Did Moses get to go to the promised land? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Anybody want to guess that the Israelites thought this was probably going to be faster than 40 years? Yeah, lots of things can happen on the way to God's promises being fulfilled. Don't, don't get over, overzealous ahead of God in assuming his promises for you. But always know, listen to me, oh, you got to hear this. Always know that God is sovereign over all things, the prevailer and victor in all things. He cannot be stopped. He will not be thwarted. He is our God, and we are his. Don't lose that, even as a year like 2020 continues to drag on. Who's excited for January 1, 2021? I am. I'm flipping the calendar in November. 
because this one's been kind of lousy in lots of ways. You have a choice. I have a choice to wake up and focus on the lousy or I can wake up and focus on the ways that God has blessed me and provided for me in the past, the ways that he is blessing me and providing for me in my now and the ways that he will bless and provide and protect in the future that I face. This is what Moses sang about. This is what we get to sing about as we close this morning. I know you come to church, those of you who are here in this room and those of you who are hanging out in our room, and we sing the songs, and I know to differing levels, you guys enjoy that and sing with us. I know some of us aren't that musical. Nobody wants to hear me sing. But can I tell you, it's not the quality of our voice that really matters in the process. It's not the the sound that we make. It's not even the songs that we sing. You don't get to be choosy. Because any time that we get the opportunity to open these mouths and make much of our God, it should be our privilege, our blessing to do so. So come to church. Sing where you are, even if you're alone on a lazy boy in your living room. Make much of the God who has delivered you Make your declarations to a God who has delivered you. Make much of a God who will deliver you in the days to come. I only know one song. Stand and sing it with me. It goes like this. How great is our God. Sing with me how our God, all will see how great, how great is our God. That was a good warm-up. Now let me hear you sing. Here we go. You ready? How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great is our God. He's above all things. His name is above all names. Sing. He's a name above all names. Worthy of all praise. Our heart will sing how great is our God. Just you. He's a name above all names. Worthy to all praise. Is our God. How great. How great is our God. Father, uh, that is true. There is none higher, none greater than you. 
forgive us for when we forget. Help us walk from this place, to turn off this stream convinced of your goodness, your deliverance. Uh, may it stir in our souls the songs of our lives. May we um, go forward into the week to come, uh, ready for what we face, confident in who you are, um, declaring our allegiance to you and you alone. Uh, we love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us and making it all possible, this life with you. Uh, how great you are. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen, you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.